Dear friend, I'm Dr. David Jeremiah, and I'd like to take a moment to speak with you as the world faces the coronavirus pandemic. There is no question we are living in a time of unprecedented uncertainty. It is unlike anything I have experienced in my whole life. And the temptation in times like these is to allow fear and worry to creep into our thoughts and to rob us of our joy. But in these uncertain times, we need to remember that God is still in control. And my prayer for you is that you are healthy, you're in a safe place and surrounded by those you love. Please keep the ministry of Turning Point in your prayers as well. We will continue to bring the healing power of God's Word to you each day on radio, television, and online. And I really hope this will be a source of encouragement to you during the current coronavirus. So be safe, be in the Word, and be in prayer. From the height of the global pandemic to the current spread of different variants, Christians have wondered if COVID might be a sign of the end times. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah addresses that question with truth and insight from the Bible. If you're curious about COVID's connection to biblical prophecy, listen as David introduces today's timely message, a biological prophecy, pandemic. Well, you know, I thought by the time I would be able to talk to you about this in October, this would all be in our rearview mirror and we wouldn't need to talk about it at all. But that's not the case. This is one of those things that's going to hang around for a while. And back in the beginning, when it first started to make its way through our communities and our families and our schools and our churches, and so much happened, it's almost impossible to believe One of the questions that I kept getting asked by everyone, both in person, on the Internet, through all of the information we get from around the world is, Dr. Jeremiah, is this thing that's happening to us, is it in Bible prophecy? And so I studied really hard, and I put together an answer to that question, and that question is going to be answered today and on Monday here on Turning Point, and it's chapter 3 in the book called Where Do We Go From Here? How Tomorrow's Prophecies Foreshadow Today's Problems. I hope you'll stay with us for this message. It will bring some clarity uh, to what you've been experiencing, but most of all, at the end, there's some real hopeful things that you can do and should do, and I hope you'll let us share this information with you uh, for these next couple of days. There's a study guide for this whole series that's a partner to the book, Where do we go from here? A study guide is available from our website. You can go there and find out about it. And if you'd like to have a copy of the brand new book, send a gift of any size to Turning Point during the month of October and ask for it. We will send you the book. It will come right to your home, and uh, you'll have it uh, among the first to receive it because you have ordered the book from Turning Point. We'll send it to you right away. Once again, for a gift of any size during the month of October, ask for your copy of this brand new book, Where Do We Go From Here? I'm going to talk about cancel culture. I'm going to talk about spiritual famine. I'm going to talk about economic chaos, the pandemic, which we're going to talk about today. And uh, these subjects, which are riveted in the Scripture, have great bearing on how we live today. You don't want to miss any of these Turning Point Broadcast, and you don't want to forget to get your copy of the book as soon as you can. Well, let's get started today with part one of A Biological Prophecy, The Pandemic. On January 11th, 
2020, the first COVID-19 death was reported in Wuhan, China. Two months later, on Wednesday, March the 11th, 2020, the World Health Organization declared COVID-19 a global pandemic after the virus had spread to 114 countries and nearly 120,000 people, killing more than 4,000 people in those early days. U.S. stocks tumbled, with the Dow Jones Industrial Average falling 10%, its biggest one-day percentage drop since 1987. Broadway theaters went dark, movie theaters emptied, and hospitals filled up. The National Basketball Association, Major League Baseball, National Hockey League all suspended their seasons, and for the first time since its inception in 1939, College Basketball's March Madness Tournament was canceled. And for the first time since 9-11, and only the fourth time ever, Disneyland closed its gates. Let's take a step back. What exactly are pandemics? And what does the Bible say about them? Since this is a modern word, you shouldn't expect pandemic necessarily to appear in the Bible. But the scriptures have other terms that describe the same thing. In fact, there are six ancient words in the Greek and Hebrew language that describe what we would call a pandemic. And those words are used 127 times in the Bible. So the Bible is full of this subject. Throughout the Bible, we see repeated examples of God using pandemics or diseases to accomplish his divine and sovereign purposes. In Exodus chapter 9, the Lord allowed an infectious skin disease to sweep over Egypt. It was the sixth plague, and it was epidemic in nature. Every single Egyptian, young and old, was affected. When King David sinned against Israel, the Lord sent a plague upon Israel from the morning until the appointed time. 2 Samuel 24, 15 tells us about that. 70,000 men lost their lives in that pandemic. The Bible also teaches that Satan can send plagues. Did you know that? We know from the biblical story of Job that Satan can afflict humanity with terrible diseases. And in the Gospels, the Lord Jesus Christ warns his disciples that pestilences will be one of the signs of the last days of human history. These ravaging illnesses will shake the world, seeking to awaken and warn people about the eminence of Christ's return to judge and to reign. And in the book of Revelation, the Lord warns a dozen times about terrible pestilence and plagues coming to the nations as part of his judgment of sin. Prior to the second coming of Christ, all of this will take place. And this period is known by Bible scholars as the Great Tribulation, the most devastating period of divine judgment in human history. So what does this mean? Well, my youngest son Daniel works for the NFL Network and he's become acquainted with many of the football players in the league. Shortly after the COVID-19 pandemic was announced, one of his high-profile friends who watches Turning Point on television came to him and said, Daniel, ask your dad if the coronavirus is in biblical prophecy. And I ended up preaching a whole message in answer to that question. Have you asked yourself that question? Is what we've just been through and what we're continuing to go through, does it mean anything set against the larger scale of history? And if so, what does it mean? During the last week of his life, the Lord Jesus left the temple in Jerusalem with his disciples. 
hiked down the Kidron Valley, climbed to the top of the Mount of Olives, the city of Jerusalem spread out before them, shimmering in the sun. And that's when the disciples asked Jesus about the last days, prompting Jesus' most comprehensive teaching on the events related to the end of time. We call this the Olivet Discourse. It's called that because it took place on the Mount of Olives. It's recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Here's how Matthew records it. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to Jesus privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Now this passage is so extensive that many people have called it the mini apocalypse. The broad outline of the prophetic future is given to us here by Jesus. It's his overture to the book of Revelation. And his disciples ask him three questions. If you listen carefully, you pick them out. He was asked this, when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming? And what will be the sign of the end of the age? Beginning in Matthew 24 and verse 4, Jesus answered those questions. He answered questions 2 and 3 in the main body of the chapter, but he didn't answer the first question, which was, when will these things be? But in verse 36, he said this, But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Sometimes you hear preachers like me, hopefully not me, but like me, get up and say they know when Jesus is coming back. How many of you remember he was going to come back in 1988? I got 14 books from the same author telling me he was coming back in 1988, but he didn't come back. Then he was going to come back in 90, and then they said they miscalculated. And before you know it, you just lose all interest in it because it's just a big scam. We don't know when Jesus is going to come back. And the Bible says Jesus himself didn't know when he was going to come back when he was on this earth. He said only the Father knows that. That's why I can't tell you the exact time of the second coming. How many people have erred in making these misguided predictions about that? But what I can tell you is this. In answering the disciples' second and third question, Jesus gave us some key signs that point to his second coming, or as he put it in verse 30, the sign of the Son of Man. Here are the six things that Jesus said would happen as his second coming began to draw near. If you have your Bibles, you can just read them, but let me list them for you. There would be deception by false Christs. There would be disputes and warfare among nations. There would be disease and famine worldwide. There would be deliverance of believers to tribulation. There would be defection of all false believers, and there would be the declaration of the gospel to the whole world. These six signs cover the first three and a half years of the seven-year tribulation period, and they coincide with the prophecies of the book of Revelation. But while these signs will be fulfilled in the seven-year tribulation period, they will not start on a dime. How many of you know that? They will build up over time. According to Jesus, the generation that sees these signs will also see his second coming. 
Matthew 24 says this, Now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near. At the door, assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. What Jesus said was, when these signs begin, they will fulfill themselves within a generation. When you see these signs, if you're living at that time, you will see the coming of Jesus Christ when these signs are full-blown. Now, if you follow my teaching over the years, you know I've always believed the Bible predicts the return of the Christ for the church and that it could happen at any moment, that there aren't any signs for the rapture. This event is known as the rapture of the church. Then there will be seven years of global tribulation, and the last half of that global tribulation is called the Great Tribulation, a unique outpouring of God's wrath. And when that period concludes, Jesus Christ will return with his church to put an end to global conflicts and pandemics and to judge evil and to establish his thousand-year reign. So there are no events that predict the rapture. Without any sign, without any warning, Jesus Christ will return to gather his saints and take them to heaven. So you're wondering, perhaps, as some people would, and naturally so, if these six signs are not the signs of the rapture, and after the rapture, we're going to heaven, what do we care about these six signs? Because future events always cast their shadows before them. And God's people should be Bible students, and Bible students should be interested in prophetic passages. And when we study those prophetic passages, we should learn to spot the signs of the times. Recently, I clipped something from the writings of Mark Hitchcock, who's a prophetic writer who I know. He told this little story, and this story helps me understand how to put all this together. So listen carefully to this story. He said, Dr. John Walvoord used to share this illustration of how the signs of the times relate to the rapture and the second coming. He pointed out how there are all kinds of signs for Christmas. There are lights everywhere, decorations, Christmas trees, music, even Santa in the mall. But Thanksgiving can sneak up on you. There are no real signs for Thanksgiving. Dr. Walvoord noted that the second coming of Christ is like Christmas It will be preceded by many very specific signs that Scripture outlines. The rapture, however, is like thanksgiving. There are no signs for its coming, yet if it's fall and you begin to see the signs of Christmas everywhere, what do you think? Thanksgiving has not arrived, but it's on its way. The signs for Christmas actually also tell you that thanksgiving is not too far away. The signs for the second coming are appearing all around us today. What that means is, if the second coming is Christmas, the rapture is Thanksgiving. So the rapture couldn't be too far away. These signs are not particularly about the rapture, but they're particularly about the second advent. And there's only seven years between those two events. Let me circle back once more to the big question on many of our minds. Is COVID-19 a sign of the rapture? No, because there aren't any signs for the rapture. The rapture is a signless, imminent event. But is this pandemic a sign of the second coming of Christ? Probably. I can't say with certainty that it is, but neither can I say that it's not. It could well be early evidence of number three on Jesus' list of six signs in Matthew 24. 
disease and famine worldwide. As I mentioned earlier, some of the tribulation signs could spill over into the final years before the rapture. Jesus said this pestilence, watch this, would arrive like birth pains. This means it will increase in frequency and intensity in the time leading up to his return. In other words, as the end approaches, we should expect infectious disease outbreaks to be more frequent and more intense and have impact on more people and be more deadly. That's what's happened. We've had pandemics before. I remember when this whole thing came out, they listed them all. They went back to SARS. They went back to HIV. They went to all the pandemics, all of which were really serious. I remember a couple of them that have happened in my lifetime, and people were saying this could kill all of humanity without the proper response to it. But it didn't, and it went away, and then this happened, and there's been nothing like this in your lifetime or mine. So while the coronavirus may not perfectly qualify as a prophetic sign, it is a sign. It's hard to see the world so convulsed by an event without looking at it through the lens of the Scripture. Even if COVID-19 is not a sign of the future, it's a sign today, a reminder of things we too easily forget. Four lessons came to my mind when regarding that. Is this a sign of the future? I can't say that it is, and I can't say that it isn't, because I don't know when Jesus is going to come back. Here's some lessons I learned, and perhaps you learned them too. This is a sign of the vulnerability of all of us. We're all more vulnerable than we like to think. According to most experts, the elderly and those with an underlying health condition were the most vulnerable to this virus. But as time progressed, we discovered that everyone was vulnerable, including celebrities. We sometimes think they live in a bubble, but they don't. I remember in the early days, Tom Hanks got it, Rita Wilson got it, Rachel Matthews, Charlotte Lawrence. They were some of the first who got infected with the coronavirus. And then, of course, as you go through the list, it wasn't just people in Hollywood. NBA stars Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, Kevin Durant, Marcus Smart, along with the coach of the NFL's New Orleans Saints, Sean Payton, became sick with the disease. The vice president of Iran got it. The wife of the Canadian prime minister got it. The mayor of Miami got the virus. And as we all know, the president of the United States got the virus. We've been led to believe that with enough money, you can protect yourself from things like this. No longer. Money can buy you a test, but it can't buy you a cure. And we're all vulnerable to these super plagues. No one is safe. No one escapes the possibility of infection. We know that now, not just because we've read it somewhere in a magazine. We know it because we've lived through it and we've experienced it and we've watched it unfold right in front of us. So that's a really important lesson for us to file. Number two, this whole pandemic has taught me a lesson about the credibility of the Bible. Let me explain what I mean. For more than 50 years, I have been teaching and studying the Bible. I've never failed to be astounded by the events of the tribulation as they unfold in the book of Revelation. And I've believed them, even though it seemed kind of outlandish to me, I've believed them just because they're in the Bible. But now these apocalyptic events seem to be knocking at our door, and the prophets no longer seem like outlandish prognosticators. They seem like people who are telling us what we should know and what we should understand. The prophet Ezekiel predicts a coming war in which Russia and its coalition armies will try to destroy the nation of Israel. 
I believe that will happen in the early days of the tribulation. And when God intervenes, the evil coalition will be destroyed by monumental convulsions on the earth, by military confusion, by calamities and fire and brimstone, and finally major plagues. And the Lord predicts in Ezekiel 38:22, I will bring him to judgment with pestilence and bloodshed. It will take seven months to bury the bodies from that bloodshed. I remember reading that in Ezekiel and thinking, that's outlandish. That's unbelievable. So many people are going to die that it will take them seven months to bury all the people that died during that pandemic. Try to imagine it. Unburied bodies everywhere causing a sickening stench and a malignant plague. As I saw the pictures of the body bags and temporary morgues being utilized to care for those who died in New York City, I thought of what Ezekiel said. It's not that the pandemic was fulfilling Ezekiel's prophecies, but it was serving as a faint preview of what's ahead. In other words, what we thought couldn't possibly happen in a sophisticated world like you and I live in, it happened. And it's still happening in some places. In Revelation 9.18, we're told that a third of the earth perishes by various plagues caused by dynamic forces. In Revelation 11, another part of the prophecy of the tribulation, two supernatural witnesses have power to strike the earth with all plagues so often as they desire. That warning isn't limited to pandemics, but let's just say I have a greater understanding of how the tribulation events will take place. When you read these sections of the Bible, read them carefully and prayerfully and look for emerging trends, the events of Revelation no longer seem implausible to me. Indeed, They seem to be impending. They seem like they could happen. Who could ever have believed that the world could be strangled to a stop by a plague? But we watched it. We saw it. We witnessed it. It frightened us. We didn't know where it was going. We seem to feel better about it now. We're kind of on the other side of it. We've got vaccines and all of that. But COVID-19 has taught me that everybody's vulnerable, and it's taught me that the Bible's credible. You better believe the Bible knows what it's talking about. It's not talking about something you don't know. Here's the third lesson that we should take away from this. The uncertainty of life. Contagions remind us of the uncertainty of life. Did you expect your schedule to be wiped out for an entire year before this happened? (laughs) Were you prepared for your children to be shut out of their classroom? For your vacation, your wedding to be canceled? For your workload to shift to your kitchen table? No one expected to stay away from church for weeks or months. How terrible for those who were laid off or whose businesses failed. Few people had their pantries stocked with sanitizers, masks, and toilet paper. Who could have known? Earlier in this message, I mentioned the patriarch Job. Do you remember how he explained the sudden deconstruction of his life? Here's what he said. My days are swifter than a runner. They flee away. They see no good. They pass like swift ships like an eagle swooping on its prey. Or Job 14, 1 and 2, man who's born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. He comes forth like a flower and fades away. He flees like a shadow and does not continue. How uncertain and how precious are our days. I took that away from this. I don't have any guarantee, nor do you, that I will have tomorrow. I have only the day that God has given me, and how precious is that day How important should it be for us to give thanks to God for the days he has given to us as his gifts? So I've learned about the vulnerability of everybody. Nobody's safe from this. 
I've learned about the credibility of the Bible. I've learned about the uncertainty of life. And I've also learned about the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. The virus points us to Jesus. As he was preparing to finish his earthly work and return to heaven, he told his disciples this. He said, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Amen. We've hung on to those promises like that, haven't we, during these days and are still doing it. Some of you still challenged by this ugly disease that has taken so many people, uh, has made so many people sick. We've lost some friends and all of you have too. What does this mean? What does the Bible say about this? We're in the midst of discussing it here on Turning Point. We're talking about where do we go from here? how tomorrow's prophecies foreshadow today's problems. And uh, we're, we're discussing this pandemic and where it fits into the prophetic scriptures, if indeed it does. We'd love for you to have the book that has all this information in it. It's our special resource for the month of October. You can get the book by sending a gift of any size to Turning Point. And when you do, be sure to ask for your copy of the book. Where do we go from here? It's the exact book that will be in the bookstores all over the country. But we'll send it to you right here from our headquarters in California, and you'll have it before you know it. Your gift helps us. It makes it possible for us to continue doing the work that we're doing sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ as far and wide as possible. I hope you will stand with us, and you can do that and help us by ordering that book by sending your gift today. And uh, we'll be so blessed, and I know you will be too. Don't forget now, uh, over the weekend, you can watch Turning Point on television, and we'll be back here on Monday with the next edition of Turning Point. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's current series, Where Do We Go From Here?, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected. Our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's new book, Where Do We Go From Here? And learn how today's issues are linked to biblical prophecy. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions with helpful notes and articles from decades of study by Dr. Jeremiah. Get all the details when you visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us Monday as we continue the series, Where Do We Go From Here? on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible. Then continue the adventure with monthly audio adventures on airshipgenesis.com. Plus, download the Airship Genesis mobile game where kids will travel back in time to the life of Jesus. Blast off with the young one in your life at airshipgenesis.com. A Chinese proverb says, One dog barks at something and the rest of the dogs bark because he is barking. That illustrates the danger of jumping to conclusions, spreading rumors, gossiping, and the lack of self-control. You see, it pays to do appropriate research before we begin to bark. 
Three of the most important words anyone can learn to say are, I don't know. When someone encourages you to join a movement, take a side, or agree with an opinion, it's always safe to say, I don't know. I need to look more closely at it. That takes self-control, something the Holy Spirit is willing to provide. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's power of self-control on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.